With one of the most important political elections taking centre stage this year amidst COVID-19, the United States presidential election has brought to the forefront issues of campaigning during a pandemic. Welcome to the Biden for President virtual rally in Tampa, Florida. Thank you for joining. Our program will begin shortly. COVID-19 has fundamentally changed the way all politicians now campaign during an election cycle. Across the world, we see politicians adapting to a new world, one of which no longer includes rubbing elbows, kissing babies, and town hall meetings, but instead involves a new digital online realm. As Singapore saw during their recent election, but the COVID-19 pandemic has forced society to embrace technology more than ever. For the first time, the general election will be primarily contested online. This includes socially distancing, conference calls and open letters, all largely aided by the internet. In some cases, leaving the public with an air of mistrust or concern around the whole process, as posed in such forums as the Centre for Strategic and International Studies. Of course, the big question here is, how do you have free, fair elections during a pandemic? Even though I'm known, people still, people go, oh, you're a shoe in I go, people got to vote for you. So, you know, whether or not that happens or not, time will tell. Earlier this year, I met up with Michael Gallus, a relative newcomer to the political arena, brandishing his positive, unjaded brand of politics and questioned whether or not it would get him to the polls. We discussed his unconventional journey to politics, but it would seem he brought unconventional along with him, as his first ever campaign as an electoral nominee was turned upside down by the coronavirus. Michael Gallus here at uh, Aberfeldy Community Club, um, part of my uh, campaigning. Um, for the Before lockdown, the campaign saw him travelling the length and breadth of the constituency to meet with community leaders and learn what the issues were that needed addressing and to um, find out from all the people in the area what their uh, issues and concerns are over the next uh, five months, and that's why I'm here. But an ever-increasing lockdown saw Michael having to adjust to an already new world for him. Under COVID lockdown restrictions, traditional campaigning until recently had inadvertently been illegal due to lockdown, ruling out door knocking, meetings, letterboxing, and until recently, signposting. I decided to catch up with Michael again, and see how his campaign for councillor in Melbourne suburbs had evolved since the last time we spoke. We speak just before the lifting of stage four lockdown. You know, we're in the stage stage four lockdown, so we're only allowed out of the house for one hour. We've got, um, in, we're only allowed to leave the house within five kilometres, go shopping once a week. We're all living on top of each other. So fingers crossed that we can go to a stage three. As well as lockdown affecting home life, it's also affected Michael's employment. Also lost my job. I was working as a, a casual relief teacher in a school. So as soon as they went to remote learning at stage three, um, there was none of that income there. He was lucky enough to pick up some tutoring work alongside campaigning. Helping them with their home remote learning. And that's what you've got to do. you just got to adapt and pivot and uh, get through as best you can and, and really think outside the square. And In September, the Victorian Electoral Commission did just that with restrictions making campaigning solely an online pursuit. The VEC released an online tutorial to help candidates in this strange time of online campaigning. Welcome to the VEC's candidate information session for the 2020 local government elections. These elections will be unlike any other Victoria has seen. This session covers general information about the elections 
and how the VEC has adapted its election planning in response to the coronavirus COVID-19 pandemic. I had to do that exactly the same with uh, my campaigning because you couldn't go to people. You couldn't, you know, you can't go out of your house for more than an hour on exercise and you can go down the street and get some food and that's it. So you could either waste the time um, or, okay, let's let's uh, let's get back onto it. Let's just get back to the old ways, old school. Get on the phone. Get on the phone. And social media. I'm I'm very lucky and a crazy man across Facebook. All aboard the G train. Woo! Vote one from Michael Gallus. Yeah. Instagram. Hello, Mr. G here. Big shout out to all those kids that are at school. Just want to let you know, homeschooling's about to end. I reckon you got about three weeks to go. Um, email, and I went from doing four community connections a week. I think I'm up to about 15 community connections this week in relation to getting on the phone, talking to people, emailing, Instagramming, texting people. While everyone's talking about Biden and Trump, I'm talking about Michael Gellis. Let me tell you, people, this guy, Michael. Um, I think people are going to be sick of me after the <laughs> over the next six weeks. I've got 25,000 people to get to. I think I've gone through about, uh, I've reached about two or 3,000 already, and uh, I've got an aim to get to the other 20,000 over the next six weeks. Um, Zoom interview to do with Kaidi to find out about um, AFL and netball in the city of Mooney Valley. Uh, Lils, I'm going to need a bit of... Peace and quiet. Whereabouts are you going to be? as with all of us, has been getting to grips with a life involving a lot more Zoom. <laughs> yeah, getting, a, getting as many as I can, as many different ways as I can. Um, and, uh, and, yeah, it's great. It's great. If you can, you know, Zoom, it, um, before I'd meet one person or maybe two from an organisation where you can have a, uh, a Zoom call with four or five people from the organisation or we've got five independents from across the whole city of Mooney Valley joining us on a Zoom call tomorrow night to find out who they are, whereas I'd have to do one at a time um, over the space of, you know, two, three, four weeks. So it's fantastic. And you look at it as a journey and you look at it as having fun. And I've got a Michael Zoom isn't alone in his journey. Along the way, he's enlisted the help of his family. You know, again, I get support from my family, Lily, Ben and Tom, they all get involved. My daughter helped me last Saturday night um, my, design my poster, the Vote One Gallus poster that um, you've got to have to get out to people. And uh, my son's been really good on providing me with some um, good Instagram memes. All aboard the G-Train is my favourite. That's a good one, isn't it? I like that, all aboard the G-Train. Uh, my wife checks to make sure I'm not being too crazy and over the top, uh, keeps the leash on me, which uh, needs to be done. But whilst the mini meme factory that is the Gallus household creates this content, I wonder what the feedback is like, online or in person. It's, it's, real, it's been good. It's been good. Uh, you miss the face-to-face, but uh, people are willing to listen. They've got the time. They want to hear what you've got to say, but they also want someone to uh, listen to what their issues are. I inquire as to what this whole experience has been like, whether he's regretted running now that his campaign has fallen within pandemic times. But there's no mention of regret. Well, you know, no one's getting bombed here. Yes, it's a, it's, it's a big strain on mental health. I'm very lucky to have a job. Lots of people have lost their jobs and that would make it so difficult to pay bills. But when you really think about it compared to a war-torn uh, area, uh, it's not too bad. And as I said, there's the challenge to pivot. There's the challenge to adapt. And um, again, like anything, the harder you work, the greater the reward. 
Michael talks to me about the personal struggles he's had during this time, as the campaign comes to a close. You know, it's tough. It's, uh, yeah, it's certainly tough. And it's tough. You've got stresses in relation to finances. You've got stresses in relation to the three kids. And they've got their individual stresses in relation to, you know, what year in school, what their work is. We're all cohabitating under the same roof, you know, 20 hours a day out of 24. You get out for a walk and you've got to come up with strategies and you've got to come up with... Uh, and it gives you a feeling of, um, you know, those people, the scientists down in Antarctica have always watched all their documentaries and how it's, you know, they can't get outside. They just stay in their own building. But when they go to their rooms and shut the door, that's their time out. And that's what we're having. You know, you have those, you have those opportunities here and you create your own routines and your own um, strategies within the family. And we talk about it as well. You've got to maintain your communication. You've got to talk to each other when you're... Uh, when you're not uh, going okay, and it, it's okay to be not okay. I was hanging out the washing today, Arch, having a bit of a cry in relation to just everything's coming on top of me, and uh, you do that in the backyard, and, and that's okay, and you reach out to your friends and have a bit of a chat or go and give your son a hug or uh, um, make your wife a cup of tea, and then you keep going. And as long as you maintain the communication, as long as you are reaching out for help. In amongst all of this, I wonder if along the way, through these digital channels, if any of the message is being missed, is communicating online through what seems in some cases to be a one-way street, meaning that his message is being lost along the way? No, not at all. And people just want to be listened to and face-to-face. Uh, -face. I reckon it's probably you're getting more out of a phone call because you've got no distractions around you. Um, people are comfortable, whether in the car. I had a bloke, he was walking his dog yesterday, the uh, Strathmore, the um, president of um, Strathmore Netball Club, walking his dog, huffing and puffing as he uh, chatted away. Um, and, yeah, you just, um, yeah, you've got more, I think you've got more time. It's better. Michael isn't the only one gathering policy ideas while out walking the dog. So I walk my dog every morning and I walk my dog in a park just down the road. And every morning, I probably have about four or five chats with different people. That's Rose Iser. She's also a local council nominee this year. It takes us a moment to settle into our conversation, as she's been on Zoom meetings all day regarding her current campaign. But I inquire as to how her pandemic campaign is going. And so that's where I am having interactions with people. So I think that's why... I'm not missing that element. So in effect, I feel like I'm kind of knocking on five doors each day when I go for a walk or when I'm in my garden. And I'm sure Michael's got his own, you know, he's got his ways of interacting with people within the rules that just keep you feeling like there's a little bit of, of that communication going on. And certainly it's not the same. Rose has a unique perspective, previously having been a counsellor back in 2007 until 2011. She shares with me what was the deciding factor in running for local election back in 2007. I had only just become politically active. My children were at a City of Melbourne childcare centre and the City of Melbourne wanted to um, get, rid of their get rid of running childcare with, from within their council services. One of the things that happened during that um, sort of fierce campaign to save childcare was that I realised that councillors didn't know anything about childcare. Now I can say that, I say that a little bit tongue in cheek, but they were a group of older 
men mainly. I think there were two women. One woman was never there. And so there was this, it was this group of older men who were really quite lovely because in the end they said, oh, my God, you're right, we can't do this. Um, but they, they just didn't know a thing about childcare. But 2020 saw Rose return to local politics, albeit under a dramatically different scenario. But not just with the pandemic, but with added obstacles. Oh, it's so different. That is such a like. I'm glad you asked that because I was reflecting on this and thinking no one would care that this is so different, but you care that this is so different. Man, it's like 15, what are we, 15, 13 years later. Is that what we are? 13 years later. And it's, uh, I mean, Facebook and Twitter did not exist in 2007. So I don't know how we would have, we couldn't have um, campaigned remotely back in 2007. There's been, I mean, door knocking, I love door knocking uh, because I have done a lot of door knocking in my time as a politically engaged person and I love it and we haven't been allowed to do it this time. Uh, And and I love having conversations with people, so just randomly knocking on people's doors and introducing and and having a chat about something. So not being able to do that is quite challenging. But, oh, man, it's just such a different, you know, I think some candidates have perhaps tried to put out a crappy leaflet and put up a few posters and run a 2007 type campaign, but it just doesn't cut it anymore. It's, you don't win on that. It's, it's completely different. We begin falling down the rabbit hole that is discussing the intricacies of social media, and it becomes apparent that the online space has become important in 2020 when entering any election. And most of it's online, in fact. My Facebook page has a reasonably good reach, but people get a bit sick of it. Like, I, I feel bad posting sort of campaign stuff all the time. I try and mix it up a little bit with some other little anecdotes or things because I don't like reading people's campaign stuff all the time, so I imagine other people don't like reading it either. (laughs) I don't like it. (laughs) Um, Instagram and Twitter don't seem, there does not, I'm actually probably in normal times a bit more active on Twitter than I am on Facebook, but Twitter doesn't seem to be the place for local government campaigning. Instagram, you know, is a little bit, but I don't have a huge following on Instagram and I don't really like it, to be honest. It's safe to say the channels of communication that Rose has to make sure she's across has drastically increased since her last election. But she realises there's a problem with the platform, that it also requires political engagement on the part of the individual. But the Facebook stuff's, you know, obviously very lucky to have that medium to be able to communicate with people and for people to be able to check out, um, to, to look up people and for people to be able to, to see, you know, do, do a quick search on candidates, do a quick scroll through their Facebook feed, get a sense of who they are. That's, you know, that's possibly more telling for people than what they might put in their 300-word statement. But then that relies on people going and bothering to look up people, which is, you know, not everyone's going to do that. Which confirms my suspicions with social media in an election campaign. The idea of talking into the void that is social media and wondering whether or not your message is being heard or in fact received. Rose tells me her thoughts. I've been very active in the community for the past four years or longer. So I've got a, I guess I've got a lot of networks in the community 
I mean, that may not help me at the ballot box because they may not like me. <laughs> they may vote against me because I've been active in it. Like, who knows? I mean, I'd, like the result of this election could be anything. I could come last, really, for all I know. It's really hard to tell because I'm not out there talking to people directly. <clears throat> it's really hard to know. Which in a way brings us back to the traditional campaigning, word of mouth. Yeah, well, I mean, and I heavily rely too on people's uh, people knowing you, people knowing your work, and people um, people who do know me recommending me to the people they're talking to. But Rose acknowledges the effort that's needed to break that one-way element of communication on social media. But the other thing on think online, yeah, you can put something up. That's one activity. But there's always also you can go in. You know, I, I spend quite a bit of time looking at all the different groups that I'm a member of and scrolling through and seeing if there are posts that I can have conversations with people. And it's all very genuine. I don't, you know, fabricate anything if there's something I can um, just, a com- you know, it is, it's it's finding ways to, to have a conversation with people in, um, online and so, then, you know, a bit of to and fro about a book that or about a your sunflowers aren't growing or, you know, a particular issue or whatever it is, just um, so, you know, that does take a bit of work. And that work is made harder by factors outside of her control. When it comes to elections during a pandemic, there just seems to be an air of concern or mistrust, adding to the already strained reputation of the political process and also adding to the workload for people like Rose and Michael in a local election cycle. There's just been a lot of political tension uh, in terms of the, the political parties. There's been, I mean, I don't want to say directly there's been interference because there hasn't been direct interference, but there has been the perception of interference and the perception of political hostilities uh, based on party allegiances within the council, creating a, a sense of mistrust. I ask Rose if her thoughts are shared by others, councillors or otherwise, and surprised that I wasn't the first one to bring up President Trump. I'm sure that the current councillors would, at this point, wave their Trumpian fist at me angrily <laughs> and say I'm a liar <laughs> or whatever, you know. Um, but that's my perception and I think my perception's shared by quite a few. I bring this up with Michael in another chat to see if he agrees with Rose's assessment of the local political landscape. Yes, I certainly think there was an element of mistrust in the community uh, around the recent City of Mooney Valley uh, Council elections. Only a very small minority, maybe 10 to uh, 15% of the community were a little bit worried about the um, truth around a postal of election. But, um, and that came from, in my opinion, the hysteria around uh, Donald Trump and the US election. All his rantings and ravings in relation to voter fraud with postal votes uh, certainly made an impact in a small amount of the community. But in my experience, there was not one single piece of evidence that showed it wasn't a very uh, truthful and legal proceedings. And it would seem that Michael wasn't the only one to agree with Rose. On the 4th of November, Rose Isa was elected again as one of the three councillors of Mooney Valley after acquiring the largest vote share in her ward, almost 17%. It would seem that whilst local politics has changed for good, the politics of old still stands true, one of listening and engaging but it would seem that elections thousands of miles away 
can still somehow stir unrest 